is adult listening. What's the worst pain you can imagine? What's the absolute worst pain you can imagine? Two women were set alight, doused with petrol, and they've both died in hospital. It's alleged that the suspect, one Mark Brian Harvey, doused the women and set them alight at their apartment in Florida. One of the women was in such agony, in such a state of shock, that as the flames engulfed her, the only thing she could think of was to try and run. And she fell down a flight of stairs. And those who saw it, those who witnessed it, described her as a ball of fire. It is an absolute outrage that this kind of thing still happens in South Africa. But it does. She was screaming, the neighbors say. And when she was eventually taken to hospital, she was scheduled to undergo skin, skin grafting procedures. But they could only do so little bit by little bit. They could only scrape small sections a little bit by little bit every other day. And she succumbed to her injuries. Both women are now dead and the suspect is behind bars. Why does this kind of thing happen and what can we do about it? I've got two guests this morning. Laurie Peter-James, who is a specialist offender profiler, but also the gender activist and the founder of Wise for Africa organization, advocate Brenda Madumise Pajibo. Let me start with Laurie Peter-James. Laurie, thank you so much for your time this morning. This suspect is said to have been a very quiet fellow, one of those people, he's kind of there, but you're not really, you don't take much notice of him. He was quiet, he was polite, it would seem. And yet in the days leading up to this, he was seen scouting out the area, asking questions about the whereabouts of what is now believed to be an ex-girlfriend of his, one of the women. What makes someone do something like this? Good morning, Bongani, and good morning to your viewers. Bongani, there may be various reasons. Often people of an antisocial nature are quiet. They tend to internalize and build up rage. Um, if he was scouting the area, as people say, then there was definite planning involved. The fact that he had petrol, there was definite planning involved. So this was more than likely a revenge act where he wanted to inflict maximum pain on the woman. And of course, when there are two women involved, you have double the panic because you have two people, one watching and one actually experiencing it. Fortunately, with these types of injuries, if you do succumb quickly, the lungs burn very quickly on the inhalation of breath. So they shut down, which shuts down the brain fairly quickly. But of course, you have the adrenaline um, flowing, which, which causes the fight and flight mode to kick in. And obviously, the one woman uh, responded immediately with flight mode, trying to get away.
Um, yeah, it's it's really terrible. These motivations, look, I would suspect that they will have to do a full psychological evaluation. I haven't obviously spoken to the suspect. Sure. Um, so I, they would need to do a full psych evaluation. I would not release him on bail. I would send him directly to a state facility for at least a 30-day observation to understand more of what was going on in psychology. But, of course, we also live in a highly violent society. Mm. We are not a stranger in South Africa to necklacing and other crimes involving revenge, death by fire. Let's just just take some of what you've just said apart a little. Um, These (laughs) women did not die instant deaths. This attack happened on the 11th of February. Uh, The first one passed away on the 18th and the other one, of course, passing away just two days ago on the 27th of February. So these were painful, slow deaths. But also, even if we were to think of, I don't know, some kind of revenge as being a motive, um, the one lady was simply, in a sense, at the wrong place at the wrong time because it's reported that he arrived at this apartment block looking for the one that he intended to flick to inflict harm on and it just so happened she was visiting her friend who was also a neighbor and that's how the other one was harmed so what would what would the psychology of that be as i said maximum pain maximum panic maximum um, trauma before knowing that your friend is going to die with you which you obviously want to protect so um, it was just wrong time, wrong place. But once they have two victims, the trauma can be increased twofold because not only are you trying to protect yourself and watching in horror at, at what is happening to you and disbelief and shock, but you're also watching what's happening to another person which you are helpless to protect. So the trauma is twofold. Um, it's, it's very much a situation. Fortunately, she didn't have her child with her because he would have done the same thing to the child. Again, maximum trauma, maximum distress, making his point, um, as I said. And we are living in an absolute culture of violence in South Africa. Um, we have seen these kinds of deaths by fire for going back to the apartheid era, um, also, depending on, 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 on the culture, he would rather she die or burn for her sins than actually be allowed to live a free life. So there was obviously revenge and, and um, so, so, some sort of psychosis going on Gosh. there, I would imagine, as well. Definitely not psychologically sound. Um, but he would indicate to me from his behavior that um, being the introverted behavior, the planning, the scouting, that this was a planned and well-executed event. Unfortunately, as I said, the second victim, wrong place, wrong time. Laura Peters-James, appreciate your time this morning. Listening to all of that, of course, is advocate Brenda Madumise Pajibo, who's a gender activist. Um, What do you say to something like this? What do you, how do you respond? We are as Laurie says, all too familiar with gender-based violence incidents. But this has to be right up there with some of the worst of them. Advocate Brenda? Uh, Can you hear me? I can. Yeah. Would you care to respond? Have we got you on the line? Are you there? I'm here. I can hear you. 
I'm saying, could you respond to my question, please? Yes, I am responding. A um, couple of things that we must uh, address and be cogniz- take cognizant of and be aware of. If we were to look deeper into this perpetrator, you'll find that he has been violent before and violent to his girlfriend, right? But what we tend to do as society is that we look the other way, right? Um, and we, 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 we don't want to report uh, behavior such as this. That's why the changes in, in the Domestic Violence Act to ensure that once you become aware of a, a case of violence uh, against um, a woman or, or a child, you have a responsibility to, to, report, that, to, to report that. Because If I may come in there, though, one of the things that stands out for me about this case is that um, the mother of one of the victims described the alleged perpetrator as a mouse. She said that he was a very quiet person and whenever he came around, uh, he would even refer to her as auntie. Uh, The victim had never until this moment ever reported feeling under threat in any way. How? Sometimes you just don't see this kind of thing coming. No, but you do. So, um, and unfortunately, the victim is no longer with us because I, it's possible that she would have, if she had survived, she might have indicated to all of us that, you know, I could see some of the signs, but I didn't take them serious, right? Because the signs are always there, right? So we, we choose most times to look the other way uh, because we, we blame ourselves as women when we are visited with the kind of violence that is meted against us, when your partner who, who confesses love to you beats you on a daily basis and you, you then look at yourself and say, I am the problem, I am the one to blame. You then protect that individual. You don't want your family to know that you are being uh, uh, violated on a, on a daily basis. And that has happened over many years with many victims and survivors of, of gendered violence, right? So that's the first thing that we need to appreciate. The second thing is, as long as we continue to think of partners, and in this case, women as possessions, people that we can control, people that we, we can, cannot stand up to us as, as men because we are in charge and women are our possessions, we are going to continue to have these kinds of violence meted out against Spouses against partners, against um, uh, girlfriends, against if, if, you know. So when you owe, when you believe that you own someone, uh, that person cannot leave you, right? And Gosh. we have had yeah, they have had incidences of people, men telling women that you no one will have you, right? So when you 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 make such statements that no one can have me, uh, and and you you are willing to go to lens to make sure that no one can have me you you are willing yeah. to be brutal with me and this is brutal uh, and you know and it, the brutality of the cases that we see now has has, has increased it's it's shocking it uh, really it really yeah. really is frightening i suppose let it be a lesson to all of us as a society advocate brenda madumise pajibo is a gender activist and the founder of wise for africa